0: is Unexpected with Hannah Love. In this podcast, you will gain a new perspective of how God loves you enough to call you to things that you couldn't have imagined for yourself. Hi, guys. So last week, I know I mentioned how difficult it is to sometimes get plugged into a community. And if you're like me, that can be overwhelming and sometimes intimidating. So today, I just want to encourage you that there is an option for you. Today, I want to introduce you to the Christian Appalachian Project. There are volunteer opportunities for short-term individuals like cooks, nurses, and home repair crew leaders, and there are also opportunities to become one-year volunteers. You can assist seniors living in isolation, teach preschoolers basic skills to be ready for kindergarten, mentor and invest in teens, and serve at food pantries. CAP has one mission, but many ways to serve. Volunteers come from a wide variety of backgrounds with a diverse set of skills. So if you believe you can make a difference in Appalachia, CAP would love to hear from you. You would join the many volunteers who are committed to serving and building relationships with the community. So friends, if you want to help build hope, transform lives and share Christ's love through service in Appalachia, I want to encourage you today. This is your chance. Visit christianapp.org slash volunteer to learn more. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I have got a very, very special guest today. I know I say that every time, but this one, maybe I'm a little partial because I have sitting across from me my handsome, sweet, precious husband, Shane wow. Mooney. I could give you the whole, you know, award-winning, triple Grammy <laughs> All the all the spiel, but I'm just going to tell you, he's a good man, and he's the man I married, and I love him dearly. And that's who he is to me, and he's also the daddy to our babies, and i happy to have you here today.
1: Well, it's good to be here. That was a, quite the intro right there. It wasn't my I'm best, feeling honored.
0: but at least, <laughs> at least it's you, so there's no judgment here. Well, there we go. So I thought that I would have you on today and share a little bit about a your story yep. because it's riddled with the unexpected <laughs> and then we can kind of segue into us and our story and how God has worked. For us and in us and through us, so, absolutely. So you go ahead. Let's just let's just start out with a bang, and you tell everybody a little bit about you.
1: All right. Well, let's dive right in. No, I uh, I love that your podcast is called Unexpected because looking, you know, throughout both of our lives, it's both just riddled with the unexpected. I feel like that perfectly sums up our life really in so many ways, and especially you know even before we met, you know my my career, everything that's kind of ever happened to me has been something that's come from a very unexpected place. I moved to Nashville when I was about 18 years old. I moved from Atlanta after getting assigned to T-Pain. No, 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 no. I'm
0: not going to let you get off the hook. You have to start with- <laughs> Oh, boy. With, you have to start- We're, we're starting
1: with younger than that. Younger okay. than that. When well, you
0: left home, where did you go first?
1: I, it's been a long time ago. I'm I'm 80 years old now. I don't remember- so yeah, well, I guess we'll back up a little bit. Yeah, um, I have
0: a leg up on you. I know, you I know do. a little bit about you. You
1: do know a little bit about me. So I grew up, I guess we'll go back to about five years old, probably the first time that I stood in front of the church in the booster band. There was a thing called the booster band, which people, I used to say that and expect people to kind of know what that is, <laughs> but it's definitely very, uh, you know, that's specific probably to... Maybe our church. I have no idea. I don't think I've heard that anywhere else. <laughs> I've but. heard of the booster, but I'm okay,
0: also right. from rural Arkansas. So. Well,
1: I think it's a rule, just the rule thing in general, I guess. But um, grew up about five years old. Me and and my sisters grew up singing in the church, and that's kind of my first. I was never the you know super standout singer. I was not the prodigy that some kids are, but I grew up just loving singing. And that kind of carried on. Everybody in my family, as you know, does something in music. So mom played the piano, dad would play steel guitar and bass, and Erica and Gabby, my two sisters, would sing. And Everybody we kind of, sings. Everyone, sing. everyone <laughs> sings. That's kind of a given. But yeah, we did that all throughout my entire childhood. And I think by the time I was about you know, nine years old, we were traveling around to different churches. And I mean, we would go to, I don't even know who booked these gigs. I think it was, maybe it was just mom or dad and <laughs> I don't know who'd, who was doing it, but we'd just go to these churches that were like five hours away somewhere. We probably played in your area sometimes on the other side of Arkansas, but we would just go to these churches and we would sing, all three of us, and we had several different names from the, the singing Moonies. Mom tried to get us to go by Moonsong once. Moonsong. <laughs> it's my saying.
0: favorite. <laughs> that was a good still one. still want to use yeah, it.
1: Yeah, I, I might bring it back. I don't know, but uh, no, it was a blast. You know, We would go around and, and sing at all these churches, and I really just loved doing it, and I think uh, I don't know how old I was. I was probably eight or nine, the first time we came to Nashville. And we actually made a gospel album when I was like eight years old. I think it was around eight. And I remember telling my dad then, I was like, I want to be, I want to be a singer. Like, I want to do this. And he was like, I I think you will. And, um, that was just kind of my first taste of Nashville and going into the studio, which was extremely exciting for me because that was, I was like a kid in a candy store. I mean, coming to Nashville is a very magical place anyways. And I've always felt that, but even just driving down the road, you would see a tour bus and you'd be like, that's, Probably Kenny Chesney, you know. What I mean, you'd think that's the most famous person that you've ever seen in your life, and that was just the whole thing was very exciting to me. And, anyways, fast forward to uh, you know doing that. I, I I was never the standout singer, but eventually, when I was about sixteen, people started to be like, "Yeah, Shay's actually you know, he's really good." And I knew that I had it in me, uh, and that was kind of when I really started to go after. Like, all right, I was starting to write songs and things like that. So that's kind of when I knew, like, all right, I'm I'm gonna do this no matter what, this is kind of my career path. And I had won a singing competition in 2009 that gave me a free ride to go to college. And uh thankfully, I have amazing parents that were like, it's okay if you don't take that degree. You know? <laughs> and I was like, because it was to music school. And it was like, I was going to go and I ended up passing that up and, and signing my first record deal after going to a nine month ministry school with, with Gabby.
0: And where was this? And this
1: was up in Pittsburgh.
0: Okay. So how old were you?
1: Just turned 18, I okay. guess. Yeah. So I just graduated. And instead of going to school, to going to college, I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a year off and go to this ministry school with Gabby because she was, she was going up there. And I was like, I don't have anything better to do. And Pittsburgh sounds pretty cool. <laughs> and this is the biggest city I've ever been to, you know. So uh, yeah, I took that. We went to school there for about nine months and got to go to Sweden for like three months and, and hang out there and kind of experience, you know, traveling for the first time. And And then uh, after that, I ended up signing a record deal with with T Pain, rapper out of Atlanta and rapper turned singer, (laughs) It was his first album.
0: So that's a little bit of a shift. Yeah, a little bit of a shift from uh, ministry school to T Pain in Atlanta. Very, very different. And you were an eighteen year old. Yes,
1: it was uh, coming from middle of nowhere, Arkansas. It was a very big shift in my life. I mean, Pittsburgh was that for me as well, but. You know, going into that that whole world was very it was very exciting but it was also just you know opened my mind up to a lot of things that i probably never should have you know been around <laughs> there was a lot of you know a lot of drugs and things around that i i didn't participate in but it was a kind of a crazy world to be just kind of pushed into all of a sudden that was a, a kind of wild thing so i kind of you know was there for about a year and a half and i knew that you know obviously atlanta and nashville are not too far away it's about a four and a half hour drive that i made very regularly when I started coming to Nashville and I didn't know exactly what my, you know, life was, was looking like. I just knew I had a record deal and, and I hadn't put out a single song and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, this is kind of crazy. I'm just here. I'm recording till six in the morning sometimes just because that's literally all I did. I'd wake up and, you know, we'd get there at the studio at about eight 30 in the morning and I would write songs and record them all day long until about six in the morning. And That was my life for a year and a half. And I just I wasn't getting anywhere. I felt like I was spinning my wheels, and and then I, I started traveling to Nashville, and and I was you know paying out of my own pocket, and I I had no money. I mean, I was probably making maybe two thousand dollars was what I was given per month, which was I was paying five hundred dollars for rent here <laughs> in Nashville at the same time as I was paying a manager five hundred dollars a month, and so I, I had about. I did the math. I think it was about like $320 after gas. <laughs> it's <pretty laughs> Every specific. Time. It was very specific because you had to be when you only got $320 <laughs> in your pocket. And so that was kind of what I was living off of. And I was just, you know, it was just a crazy thing. And, you know, going to the the first very unexpected moment in my life. Well, the first one, I guess, would say would, would be getting my first record deal, you know, when I was so young, <laughs> didn't know what right. I was doing. But coming to Nashville, I, I got a text message from a buddy that I was actually staying on their couch at the time, he said, Hey, man, uh, there's these guys that are having a party tonight if you want to come. And I was like, You know, I'm not doing anything else, you know, might as well. <laughs> and he was like, All right. And he's like, I'll pick you up. And when he said, I'll pick you up, he was actually at the house with me. And he was like, I'll pick you up. And he just came downstairs. <laughs> and I was like, All right, here we go. And that was actually, it was 507 Morton Avenue was the address. And we all lived in the crappiest houses. I mean, we were all songwriters trying to make it. And we were in the worst houses. And I, uh, I remember I walked up to a guy named Dan Smyers' front door, and I think it was probably around six o'clock at this at this time, and it it was just getting dark. We were pretty sure that that was the address, but I walked up to the front door, and the door was just like kind of broken. (laughs) It was locked, and so I was like, "We know this is the house, but we can't get in." And so the window was kind of you know imagine a plexiglass window, and it was bent, and so you had to reach inside of the door (laughs) to open up the door from the other side. And that was how I got in. And, and basically I walked into this house that was the living room. They had taken sheets from a thrift store to keep the heat in. They didn't have like heat and air. <laughs> so they had hung them from the ceiling and created like a tent in the living room.
0: Was this December?
1: This was around, yeah, this was December 7th. And this was 2012. Okay. And so I walked in there and that was the first time I met Dan and a guy named Andy Albert, who now writes a lot of songs with us, but they were in a band together at the time. Justin Richards, which is our guitar player. They were all there. Patrick Tracy, who does all of our video stuff. They were all there at this this house party. It was basically just us, you know. So we walked in there and we kind of hit it off and we ended up playing songs for each other, you know, till probably three in the morning and just kind of the typical Nashville hang, you know, playing songs for each other. And And Dan and I just really hit it off and the next morning, we we got up very early. Back in the day, we had some stamina; we could stay up Did late you? playing songs, and we would get up really early and write songs. The early part is <laughs> what I have trouble with. I know that's probably something you struggle with, thinking me getting up early. But no, we woke up and we went to Starbucks, and we uh, ended up writing two songs that day. And it was just the first song we, we wrote got put on hold for Rascal Flats, and we were just like, "Well, that was easy," <laughs> you know. We thought we thought we had made it, you know, because Rascal Flats heard our song. We we're like, "We're the biggest band on planet Earth," you know. We've we've done it. I can retire. <laughs> And that was just, it was a crazy moment because, you know, one night that I just randomly went to this party and met Dan completely changed, you know, my whole life as far as my career goes. And it was just a crazy thing. We started, you know, writing every day and we wrote probably 120 songs in the first month and a half and ended up going to do showcases. And, you know, we weren't put together. It was a very, you know, natural, organic thing. And it just kind of happened. And we're still doing. Kind of the same crap, just writing songs and and playing them for people, and it was very very unexpected. But that that completely that one moment changed my whole life. Now
0: that's not to say that this was an easy transition, because then you had to
1: definitely not <laughs> officially
0: become a duo with Dan. And I know more of the backstory, but you had to get out of your deal with T Pain.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of complicated. Cause a lot I, of I signed a, there's a lot of growing pains, you know, with that, but. You know we we got through that it was it was definitely very difficult it's easy for me to look back now and be like oh it was a it was a great time we met and and we wrote some songs and then we made it you know it's it's a lot more complicated than that but you know in that first two years that we got signed I think that one year we did 270 shows in one year which is I hadn't met you at that point but that's a lot of shows, a lot of shows. I can't imagine you know doing that now it would just be impossible but we really grinded it out, and it was a good time in my life because it was very meant to be. Because obviously, if I would have met you at that point, and if we had kids, there's no way. I don't know if I would have had it in me to to do what it took to make you it. You would have, maybe. <laughs> would have. But it was, it was just looking back now. I just I don't know how we did some of the things we did. It was just a it was a crazy. You're not sleeping. You're going to radio stations at 5:30 in the morning and and singing at radio shows. I mean, you hear my voice now. This is my early voice. This yes, is well, trying to sing like I do, like a woman, is uh, very difficult to do at <laughs> 530 in the morning.
0: You know what my Mima says about young people? She'll say, oh, honey, you're young and super. <laughs> you're young and super, and that's how you did it, baby.
1: Young and super. I was young and super back then. We're
0: a little yes, less young now. Yeah, but... a,
1: little bit, a little less super nowadays, but uh, you're still super. Well, you thanks, still look good, thanks. you know? I'm on the edge. Wow. I'm almost there. I don't
0: think so. <laughs> Okay. So give me a little bit of a transition here. How would you say, looking back, God was in that season of preparation for you? Oh, man. Because for me, what's always been hard is because knowing your family and knowing your background, knowing how conservative and how really sheltered we both were growing up, and you went from a just turned 18-year-old moving to Pittsburgh going to ministry school serving in Switzerland and and going out and like really learning how to like be the hands and feet for Jesus and yeah. getting out of your comfort zone to you know living with T pain. So I feel like for me that would have been internally such a struggle. How did you I don't know, how did you balance that? How did you process that giant Mammoth of, of a wave.
1: <laughs> i think a lot of it was just prayer was being put on me i know that and i mean i so for all you
0: mamas listening <laughs> yeah. you just keep praying for your babies
1: you got my mom you, you know my mom you've met her right <laughs> yeah, i said like you didn't know my mom <laughs> you know if you've ever met Cindy Mooney you, you know that she is a, a prayer warrior and i mean i cannot imagine the war path that she must have been on when i was in Atlanta. I mean, it was a very hostile environment in a lot of ways, and I don't mean that toward T. Pain or anybody. There's a lot of great people, but just the the environment that I was in and the situations that I I found myself in were
0: polar opposite from polar
1: opposite from what I what I grew up in. And it was just a very eye opening kind of crazy moment, shell shock really, from what I was used to. So I think a lot of a lot of prayer was had and, and sent my way, and I think the biggest reason that I was able to kind of make those transitions. Cause it was, when I look back on it, it was just, there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened that really like kind of, I didn't really have time to process then, you know, even just being signed and moving to a new city alone, you know, after someone who's been in natural dam, Arkansas, a city of 511 people for my entire life until this point. And, uh, I know that, you know, they talk a lot on the Sounds Fun Network about the Enneagram and I am a seven like Annie. So I am an adventurer. So I I went down that path wholeheartedly ready to face anything, you know. And so I didn't take a lot of time trying to process those things Mm -hmm. about what was happening to me and and how I was going to get there, which I think is a part of the reason that, you know, I've had success in the music world is because, you have to go in, not asking questions. You just got to go. <laughs> you know, I don't know if this is going to work out. I don't know if I'll make it, but I'm either going to be, you know, at Madison Square Garden or I'm going to be on the stage on Broadway. You know, not, but I'll be happy to do either. Yeah, doing you know? it with all of you. Doing with all of me. And but I think my point that I was I was trying to make. I'm not very good with my words, but I think that the the main reason that I was able to kind of transition into, you know, what God had for me next was my foundation. Mm-hmm. And I know that that was a huge deal growing up. My, I mean, my parents, you know them, you've met them as we've established <laughs> how big of a deal that was for really anybody, mm-hmm. you know, having, you know, moving forward and in business or whatever it is you want to do in your life. I think I heard a quote one time that was about, you know, your kids and it says, you know, your ceiling is your children's floor. You heard that. From me. I think I heard that from, you did. from a woman you named Hannah me. Mooney. But I, I love that. You know, that idea, because I truly the roots that were, were put in place for me were so deep and so grounded in, in the Lord and, and just having so much wisdom around me, I think really helped me in those moments where I was kind of alone and didn't well, have anybody. And
0: what, what I know about you, and what I, what I recognized in your heart when I met you was, <laughs> we've talked about this through the years, just that time and that season you were in and how you just felt. I don't know that you've said it this way, but just felt lost. Yeah. And I think for a lot of, especially young people who are coming out of college or coming out of high school and they're trying to figure out what that next step is, and they feel really overwhelmed and really lost, I think that that's like a place where you can really, really determine the trajectory of your life. You know, they say one degree off here is how many miles in the future. And so for me... When I listened to you talk about your story, you saying that you felt, I mean, you didn't say this, but in my heart, I feel like you felt lost and like it was too much and it wasn't right. Yeah. That life wasn't right and you knew it and your heart
1: just. My heart definitely recognized that it was not where I wanted to be.
0: And you did your best as a, what, 19, 20 year old to remove yourself from that situation definitely right and I think that that I mean that speaks volumes to your foundations yeah into character because I don't know a lot of young kids that would be in that position and say hey I think maybe I should like get out of this a little bit instead of this is awesome look at all these cool people that are around and celebrities and look at all you know yeah so that that's awesome
1: it was amazing to to look back on now it's just it's so funny because I know there's a lot of kids out here, you know, in the world and especially in Nashville, you know, this is a, a city of, of a, a lot of young people who move here with dreams and it's incredible and it's very inspiring and it's a magical place. But there's so many times, I mean, that I was, when I was here, like before our career kind of took off, it was a, it can be a very lonely place mm-hmm. when you are, you just have no idea. It's like, you know, you move here and you, it's exciting until you hit that first roadblock and you're just like, well, what am I, what am I doing? What am I doing? And, and what what stinks about it is, it's not only someone t- they're not just telling you that you didn't get your dream job, they're telling you that you didn't get your dream, yeah. which is like, oh, and that's that's going to make me emotional because I, you know, yeah, that's what so you need to do. Yeah, so many friends who have not done it, yeah, and that's a very, I mean, we've talked about this. <laughs> we don't, yeah.
0: we don't even want our boys to do it because it's one in a million, and yeah. it, and more than that, it's. In a lot of ways, it's God-ordained, I think, because this industry is not conducive to a healthy life in a lot of ways. I don't think God created us to be
1: in a spotlight of any any sort. (laughs) It's definitely not made to do this.
0: Right. And so um, fortunately for us, and we can get into this later, we've been given resources to to go to that have helped us in our marriage in this season. But yeah. going back to something that you were talking about is, you know, the people that move here and they have these big dreams and you and I've talked about this a lot, a lot of people get lost in that. Yeah, Like they get here and it's exciting. And there are a lot of opportunities, quote unquote, but one step, one wrong step after another, with the wrong people around you yeah. can quickly lead you into a cycle.
1: For sure. I, and I and, call that the the Nashville black hole is yeah. what, I, what I've what i always referred and to. It and really,
0: it's I mean, it's hard and it's sad because you just yeah. want to tell people, remember what you started for. Yeah. Remember where your foundations are. I'm not saying you're all going to make it, but don't get lost in the process. Yeah. What would you say to someone who, who is here and who may be like going down that road and be very tempted to just continue because that's what they know and that's comfortable and that's security for them?
1: Yeah, man, there's there's so many things that I would you know advice that I would give people, and it's really certain things that I would say would be person to person, you know, because some people, sure. not everyone can make it, right, which right. is a, a sad thing, and and for some people, it's like you might want to find another career path, you know, <laughs> it'd be like something. <laughs> like that me. would say, you tell me that? Ben? Yeah, I would not tell you that. Oh, but uh, you should. But it's, you know, it's just, it's so tough when you're, when you're dealing in dreams because these are people's, not what they want to do just for a living, but they want to do this because they were five years old and they, you know, we're like me driving down and seeing like a tour bus. And they're like, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And it's just not in the cards for some people. And that's not what God has for you. And I think, you know, being okay with, you know, what you've been given and kind of being empowered by, maybe you don't get to be a, a singer and sing on a big stage, but there's so many other outlets in music, you know, that you can do if you love music like I do. I think if I, if I wasn't a singer, I like could do something, you know, I'd yeah. be, I'd you, be learning be how singer. to play guitar. You <laughs> you I, might I just be not be a good singer, one. But... I might not be any good, but I'd still be singing, but there's just, you know, it's tough. I think that, you know, one thing that kids that move here have to realize is that it's not just because, you know, you, you sacrifice everything and you, you move here. I think that this was a a quote that I heard. I think actually Dan told me this quote a long time ago, and it might've been John Lennon or or Paul McCartney. One of them said, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't want to work hard. And that always stuck with me because it was, you know, there's a lot of talented people and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, that are just God gifted human beings and they have a lot of talent, but they don't want to work Hard. They don't want to, you know, have to have a job and, yeah. and actually work and, and do it. And I think that in order to make it, you have to have this reckless abandon of like, I didn't have a job when I worked here. I was just simply poor. You know, yeah. was obviously some people at some point you have to get a job. That's such a complicated, you know, it's easy for me to say because it did work out for us, thankfully. And I was only homeless for a little while. <laughs> you know, it was, you know, there has to be this reckless abandon of, I'm going to make this happen. Not reckless, no just a what. pursuit. For sure, and it's not not reckless, but reckless abandon of. In saying that, I mean you have to be willing to give up everything in order to make it. I mean, I, I I think about the amount of hours that we spent touring and and doing all these things in order to make this dream work. I think it looks a lot easier in your head when you're dreaming about. Oh, I'm going to move to Nashville and become a singer. You think like, oh, like I'll sign and then like I'll just show up at an arena and there will just be people there. You know, That's like what you imagine in your head. But instead you're going to play a place with a hundred people and maybe just a bartender and a bouncer. And you're going to do that for a, quite a while. Mm-hmm. And then you, you're going to, they're going to tell five people and then they're going to tell five people and hopefully you make a business out of it. But it's a crazy world that we live in here, but I just, it's a Nashville has always been to me. I think there's a lot of prayers in Nashville. There's so many mm-hmm. great people and so many great networks and people like Annie, you know, that that are pushing this music business and, and just this whole world that they're kind of cultivating in a good way. Of community. Of community. And uh I just think that when you're supposed to make it, you do. And I, I think people put you know, God God puts calls on people's lives and I was meant to be a singer and I was meant oh. to meant to do this and and kinda, you know, and give the glory to him and, you know, that's uh I was supposed to do this and I always think about What if I didn't go to that that party that one night? I truly think that I probably would have met Dan somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I just think that things are supposed to happen. And there's a million different, you know, things that could go wrong, I guess, in in your mind. And you're thinking like, oh, if I wouldn't have did that or been so stupid, then, you know, then I. Well,
0: I mean, if you hadn't been obedient to that, knowing deep in your spirit. Yeah. Of this is wrong and I need to get out of it. Then you probably wouldn't have moved to Nashville to Dan, right? Like for the sure. obedience leads to the next door that God has for you.
1: Yeah, your choices are always going to affect, you know. But the thing that is incredible about God is, you know, His grace is new every morning. And for someone living in Nashville trying to make it, that's a really, that's a great thing to have. Because yeah. <laughs> I feel like we make mistakes all the time, you know. Obviously, and you know, your choices, every choice you make has a has a consequence or an effect, and. I think it's uh for a lot of you know young people uh, you just have to you have to keep going and, and have that that reckless abandon. And I think for me the biggest thing that I've probably learned through all of this is that you know it's amazing that we've got to do all these things, but that's not where I find my joy. It's not where I find my mm-hmm. my peace. And that's been a huge thing that I had to learn because I identified you know, as I mean, this I feel like we need,
0: to, we need to go back now <laughs> yes. and like start from our first years because there's been a lot of growth in both of us yeah. to get to that point that you just said, yeah. like, where is my joy found?
1: Absolutely. I mean, that was, uh, I guess we can rewind to about 2000, was it 14? 14. 2014.
0: The very beginning of it.
1: Yes. So we don't have to well, go through our entire— we don't have to go
0: through the whole thing, and I have told this story
1: before. Yes.
0: But we knew of each other for a couple of years. We're both from Arkansas. If you're from the same state, it becomes a small pond pretty quickly. <laughs> we knew a lot of the same people, and eventually you ended up playing. I mean, I will say, this is a God thing right here. I messaged you on a Saturday night. I asked you when you played in Arkansas. You said Wednesday. And I think in like the last seven years, you've been in Arkansas twice.
1: Yeah. We, we um, never played And there. that was one
0: of them. <laughs> and so like legitimately three days later, four yeah. days later, you came to Arkansas, not just to Arkansas, but in the town I was in living in. which he lived. And so you came, uh, we'd never met in person, and I came with one of my girlfriends perched up high you know i could see you looking for me the whole show i looked for you the whole time you did and you couldn't find me i was so pumped (laughs) i didn't know any of your music um and i didn't even like it didn't well no i would never have admitted to you though that like when you were sitting there singing at sheeran that i was totally blown away but like i said i would never have i would (laughs) i was just like you know it's you were fighting it
1: and we were both in places I think honestly and I've I I've, was
0: not fighting it I was <laughs> not interested you in were not a dating relationship at
1: all and I, we were both in, the, in a place and I, I've told you this too I mean I've you know you meet a couple people we both had like some some people that we dated that it was just for whatever they're great people but just it wasn't right and I thought maybe in my head I was thinking well maybe it's just because like your you know, career is taking off, and maybe this—I'm just like—it's I'm it's so early in this thing that I am probably not ready to settle down yet. I think that's what I thought in my head. And as soon as you walked off, because I—I made you come say hi to my parents. Your whole uh, family. That's, my was whole family was there. there. I mean, I
0: didn't just meet you. I <laughs> you met your met the mom, whole, your dad, your crew. sister, your brother-in-law. Like the you whole did. crew was there.
1: You met everybody, and I remember my I best friend as well. I was shocked. You were, and my best friend Benji Davis was there. Songwriter friend of mine. And uh, I remember when you walked off the bus, I had literally said to him, I said, I'm going to marry that girl. Yeah, he did. And I, I walked into your car and asked if you'd go with me to the No, ACMs. first
0: you <laughs> ask in front of everyone. I did. Well, that and way, that way you, really it'd be harder to on say. The spot. I know. No. And I tried to say no. And then you asked me again. Yes. What did I say?
1: You said, You'll go as a friend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, well, fa- so, for fast all, forward, of, you, all yes. of you
0: out there that have been put in the friend zone, don't quit, don't give up hope, because <laughs> it, you tried to
1: put me in the friend zone. I climbed I out sure of that thing.
0: Did you? I climbed
1: out hard. I flew claw, out of there. You
0: clawed out. of I that. flew
1: out of that thing. It took you well,
0: but anyway, fast forward. Go <laughs> yes, ahead. So
1: fast forward. You know,
0: you were my one, but it, it, I did fight that because I was not for sure. I had been through some things, yeah. and so you were really persistent. And I always said that you had the patience of Joe because you knew that I had been really hurt and you just there was just this assuredness that I felt from you that you didn't care because you like I knew that you loved me and I knew that that my heart would be safe with you. Yeah, I mean that was part of the reason that I panicked because I was like no
1: this
0: is (laughs) not ready for this this. he is not he he is not my type he is not you know I don't want to be with someone that's in this industry and and I actually say this a lot you've heard me say it through the years is that I never I didn't choose what you do I chose you yeah kind of despite it because I really really to me the industry that you were in represented a lot of potential hurt yeah and so for me I wanted to be as far away as humanly possible, but God had other plans because he was like, this, yeah, another, this he knew is, I needed my, my anchor,
1: especially then, you know, that's kind of when everything changed. Cause for me, I, I was, you know, it didn't seem like it because I knew immediately that you were, I was going to marry you. But I was also not looking. Which is looking. bizarre
0: because you weren't looking and you were, what, on your radio tour?
1: We were on an actual tour. It was your first uh, tour. It was our first tour ever. And I, I was not looking. That's like the last thing that I was looking yeah. for would be a girlfriend, you know, at that time. It was like, yeah. you know, that's everyone's last thought, you know, whenever you're a young single guy that's you just get... now, let's let's get locked down yeah. now, yeah. you know. That was not what I was thinking, but it was just, I understood of my dad and everybody have always saying like all right this is uh when you know you know and i knew and it was for the first time i was like oh that's what they're talking about got it and it was just this assuredness of that's who i want to spend the rest of my life with and i had never it was a very scary thing you know at, at the beginning but it was uh what came next i knew that god was kind of laying the the groundwork of you know kind of what he was going to do in our lives and And I guess that kinda takes us, you know, that was all very unexpected, but then the most unexpected thing happened, I guess, about a a year later. Yeah. (laughs) We dated
0: uh, long distance for a year. You asked Dad's blessing. Let's see, you we went and looked at rings in January. You went and asked for Dad's blessing. Mother's Day weekend. You tried to be sneaky about it, but it took you forever to come back to the car. And I think I
1: was like, I think I, I was like, I gotta go grab some water. Yeah, and you were gone for like thirty <laughs> I minutes. Was gone for so long, and we were
0: supposed to be leaving, <laughs> and so I knew, like, I, I think you were in shock because my dad's a large man and probably pretty intimidating. And you said that he had asked you, you know, several questions about taking care of me, and and anyway, uh, about eight weeks later. Found out we were pregnant.
1: Yes. Talk about unexpected. We had just started the Darius Rucker tour. We were opening yeah, up for him. It was and
0: the first day of the tour. The
1: very first day. And it was our, you know, our first big tour. And it was like, you know, it's very exciting. I got this smoking hot girlfriend that I'm definitely going to marry. You know, things were exciting. And then uh, it was about probably nine p.m. at night or something
0: gosh I held on to it for a while I, you I did you your told sister my sister first which I, I did not you. appreciate well I messaged her and I was like I can't tell him he's on a bus with 13 other guys and I can't I mean there's no privacy I can't I, like I can't keep ruin in mind his that buses day of tour
1: even a crew bus only holds 12 people and we had 13 yeah, <laughs> so you imagine did. the debauchery that was going on there it was just people you know sleeping on the floors and it was an insane. Might not be the right watcher is not the right word, but it, what I mean by that, there's a lot of stinky guys on one bus. <laughs> it was pretty disgusting. It was very late at night, and
0: Erica was like, "No, you have to you tell him." And I was him. like, "I can't tell him." And it was. Just,
1: we were actually. It was the. It was the night before our first show with with Darius, and we were driving to the show. And I just remember you texting me and saying, "You said we can get through anything, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> Not knowing what the <laughs> next text message is going to be. And I, I couldn't call you because everybody on the bus was sleeping. And so you texted me a picture of the pregnancy test. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is it hit me like a ton of bricks because it, it really it felt at that time that someone just slammed on the brakes yeah. of everything. You know, it's literally I'm doing my first. I didn't know what that meant. I was like, do I have to do i my leaving tour? Like what do you know what about yeah, I,
0: I mean, I don't think either of us did.
1: We just didn't know what that meant. But it was also, you know, it was just all a lot at the time. It and was and we, was we both lot. handled it with grace. We didn't I mean, freak out. I mean we freaked uh, no, out, but okay. we didn't yeah. I would
0: say for me, I was more in shock. And I'm really good at compartmentalizing and just pretending that nothing's wrong here. Everything's fine. <laughs> and so for me, and I didn't see you for another month, maybe.
1: It was it was a long time. The I first time that I saw you, we were Father's playing in Day Dallas Day weekend. on Father's Day weekend.
0: And it was the first time I'd seen you in person. Nobody knew except us. And so yeah. I think your family was there. Your friends were there. And we just like hugged one another and kind of were teary because we knew Nobody else do, but yeah. like we we knew that life was like
1: about to drastically change.
0: I mean, it was; it was already changed, and yeah. and for me, and it's not something I've talked about a lot, but it was definitely the hardest, I would say, from that point until the first year, until Asher's first year. So for the next two years, was probably the hardest season, yeah, of my life. Because everything happened so quickly and and I just remember telling you I'm not ready. Yeah. And you weren't ready. But I also thank God for foundations yeah. that our parents laid because at that point it didn't matter because yeah. it was a life. It was never
1: it was never an option to was, either not have the baby or, you know, put him up for adoption. That, that was never the only option was Thankfully we're that we had, we're, we're having this baby and we're going to be rock star parents is I think the attitude that I was trying to have of like, we're going to do this. Yeah. You know, we're going to do it. I don't mean a, an actual rock star, but you no, know, trying to be you amazing were very parents, much, you, know?
0: you came through the door and you hugged me and you said, it's going to be okay. And I mean, neither of us thought it was going to be okay.
1: <laughs> Fanning. <Fanics. laughs>
0: but, but there was nothing else to say. And yeah. there was no other choice really for us to make, which I just, I get emotional about it now because
1: it's too early to be crying over here. You got me.
0: I know I, I get teary-eyed. emotional about it now <laughs> just because, you know, what our country is going through and the choices that people are making and the laws that are being in place about, you know, abortion. And I just, it just breaks my heart. And you know, this my the sweet, precious friend and counselor has said to me before, Sometimes I think that the babies that we didn't plan for are the ones that God wants here the most. Yeah. Because he planned for them. And it wrecks me every time because we didn't plan for that baby, but God knew him. Yeah. Informed him before the foundations of the earth. Yeah. And so I'm just really thankful that we had that foundation that our parents put in place for us. Yeah. Now telling them and that whole situation was really hard. and I, lived... I don't think
1: he you told your dad until after we were married.
0: <laughs> <Poor> dad. <laughs> <laughs> dad was the last one. I'm that... <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Um, sorry, Kirby. I told, well, I told Mom and I thought Mom would tell Dad, but she said she, she just couldn't. And so, anyway, sorry. I mean, I'm just weepy over this here. This is really
1: just the therapy this sessions is with just the, the therapy
0: session. Welcome to Moonsong part, <laughs> Moon part One. Welcome to
1: Moonsong Part One.
0: Thank you so much for listening today. If this episode has encouraged you, please feel free to share it with your family and friends. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world today. And my hope is that this show is a candle in the dark.